church. It is uh, time for us to, uh, to begin tonight. We're thankful to see each of you here this evening and thankful that you've taken time out of your schedules to uh, assemble, to study God's Word, that we might together grow and, and increase in our faith. And that's what Extra Bible Study does, right? Every chance we get to open the Word, the, uh, the opportunity for God to enter deeper into our hearts is, uh, is present. And so we're, we're thankful for that. Let's uh, go together to our great God in a word of prayer. Our masterful and merciful Heavenly Father, praise be your name. Thank you so very much for blessing us and for helping us, for keeping us and strengthening us. Thank you for your, your mercy, for your great Son, whom you so willingly sent to die on that cruel, cruel cross of Calvary. Thank you so very much for watching over us, O oh God, and for granting to us this opportunity and occasion to study another portion of your holy and divine word. Help us to learn and to be reminded of scriptures that tell us to be, to be like Jesus, Help us to be holy, Lord God, as you've commanded, for you are holy. Help us to strive, Lord God, for perfection as your people. These things we ask and pray and thank you for in Jesus' wonderful name to be thy will. Amen. Okay, so First Peter chapter 3, we, we talked uh, last week, we were really emphasizing submission and before, you know, humility, this idea of how do I become submissive, uh, I have to be humble, be humble enough. So the word submission doesn't become a word uh, that has a negative connotation to us, but rather one that's in the positive because we are humbly submitting under, up under our God, up under um, even even each other. And then, uh, as we think about submission and humility, we're talking about, well, what about an injustice? What about when something happens to you that you don't like, you don't care about, you don't care for, and uh, it, it's not the right thing, and it, uh, it upsets or bothers you? How do, we, how do we handle that injustice? And we, last week, discussed the idea to view injustice when you look at your own injustice. That's how you view injustice. First, we look deep into our own hearts and recognize that we, too, have found ourselves at times being unjust or doing things that are uh, incorrect, even in the eyes of God. And so uh, we close out last week. We closed out with First Peter chapter 3. And verse 18, I want to pick us up there again tonight. So First Peter 3 and verse 18. For Christ also died for sins once for all, the just for the unjust, in order that he might bring us to God, having been put to death in the flesh, but made alive in the Spirit. And so Jesus died for us. And in this category of Scripture, we see that we are the unjust, and he is the just. And so when we think about an injustice uh, happening to us, we also can think to Christ, the injustice that happened to him. And instead of um, uh, being opposite, if you will, the opposite of the way he reacted or responded, we ought to respond the way that he responded to even an injustice that happened to him. So we pick up there tonight going to Proverbs chapter 21. To be like Jesus... We must be humble and willing to serve 
in complete submission. So let's continue on that thought. Proverbs 21 in verse 3. The Bible says, To do righteousness and justice is desired by the Lord rather than sacrifice. It's interesting that when you read Proverbs 21, and then we're going to go over to Micah chapter 6. And you go to Micah chapter 6 and you read what God says when God is talking about well, how does he want you to live? What does God expect of us? You find that sacrifice is not actually a favored thing by God, but rather justice and mercy and kindness. Because that's an act of human will, right? To make a sacrifice, to, to offer a sacrifice, going back to the physical lamb uh, and, and goats and, and pigeon doves and things of that sort. You take it. You take an. You take an object and you you sacrifice it, and so it's something that you're doing. But you you're giving God something that already belongs to Him. When you talk about the act of submission, it's surrendering your will, your mind, your heart to God, to someone else, to do the will of God as opposed to doing your own will, which calls for self restraint. Right and self-control. That means it's an it's an, really it's an active faith. So Micah six, um, it's interesting the list of things beginning at verse six. The question that's asked, you know, what does God really want from us? With what shall I come to the Lord and bow myself before the God on high? Shall I come to Him with burnt offerings, with yearling calves? I mean, is that what God really wants? He want me to bring something? I can go to my room or go to my home and go to my, my, my pig pen or go to wherever I need to go, right? Maybe not the pig pen, but, you know, somewhere I can go. Excuse me for saying that. I can go and, and grab an animal and bring it to God, and I can look at it, and I can use the best of my skill and ability and knowledge, and I can identify the perfect lamb or, or goat, but it's going to have flaws, right? There's only one perfect lamb, spotless. And that was Jesus. So that's not really going to do it. Does the Lord take delight in thousands of rams and ten thousands of rivers of oil? Shall I present my firstborn for my rebellious acts, the fruit of my body, for the sins of my soul? Again, should I go out and get something and bring it back to God, overpower it? No, that's not what God delights in. But verse 8, he has told you, O man, what is good. And what does the Lord require of you? To do justice, to love kindness, and to walk humbly with your God. So think about that, right? To do justice, that means to be like Jesus, right? You're not going to be unjust. You're never going to do something that is wrong. Well, that takes effort and energy. That takes your your mind always thinking and focusing on God. You're always going to do what's right. Always. Always. Wow. What a, what a high order, right? Even if everyone else is doing wrong. You know, but mom, dad, everybody else is doing it. Well, that doesn't make an excuse. That's valid. You're always going to do justice regardless of what everyone else around you is doing. We're always going to act in a kind way. Kindness is what brings people to Christ. Kindness. When they see the way you live. When they see the way we treat each other. When they see how 
uh, what kind of people we are and, and, and how much we really love each other. When they say, those people are genuinely kind, that means something. That stands out in, in the midst of a, a dark world. And then to walk in humility, kindness and humility and justice. And you put those three together and you have a powerful force in a world of power, fame, fortune. Right? A world that, that abuses the weak and those who suffer, who inflicts fear and trauma on others. And then we come out with this kind and gentle heart and submission to God, practicing justice and, and showing love and humility. But it's a different kind of people. The, the Bible says that, right? The King James ver- Version says it. In First Peter, it says that we are peculiar. We're a peculiar Jews, right? Different. And we're supposed to be different. And that's what Jesus was. He was identifiable, not by the way he looked. Isaiah 30, uh, 53 told us that, right? Not by the way he looked. He was identifiable by the way he lived. And church, that's what we're supposed to be, identifiable by the way that we live, not by the way that we look. And that's important, right? So I want to go to Matthew chapter 7. When we think of a wrong being done to us, we have to remember that each of us are in a, in a position that we desire the mercy of God. We desire mercy because we have found in our own lives, we have found sin in our own lives. We've, we've sinned against a merciful and a just God. And we desire his mercy and his justice. And so listen to what he says about the way that we should see humanity. Oh, this is a tough one. Do not judge, lest you be judged. Now, that's not saying if you don't judge, you're not going to be judged by God in the end. That's not saying that. But the idea, the understanding is, is that as we're thinking about judging in a way that we judge as humans, God says, you do realize you're setting up your own standard. When you say, well, they never do this, and if you never do it, you're setting your own standard. When you set your own standard, uh, we're going to find ourselves in a whole lot of trouble. Right? When we raise the bar for others and say, well, I expect you to be this way, better make sure you're that way first, right? That's what the text is saying. When, when you, when we start saying that we, you know, we expect the church, why won't the church do this? First question God's gonna ask you is, are you doing it? Right? So we gotta be really careful how we complain about what the church is not doing. Because then the question comes back, are you doing it? And maybe not even the exact same thing, but are you doing something personally to grow the church or to affect the church in a positive way before you complain about what the church isn't doing, right? You got to think about that. Really think about that. So he says, do not judge lest you be judged. For in the way you judge, you will be judged. And by your standard of measure, it will be measured to you. So imagine on Judgment Day, <laughs> whew, and you stand before the Lord, and the Lord says, well, you know, uh, preacher, what, what are you going to say? What standard have you set? What standard have you established? When did you play God last? Isn't that the point of the Bible? Let God do God things. Let God be God. 
Let God be the judge of all, and we just follow the standard of God. So the question is, and why do you look at the speck that is in your brother's eye, but do not notice the log that is in your own eye? Or how can you say to your brother, let me, uh, let me take the speck out of your, your eye, and behold, the log is in your own eye? So here, here's what's important. So let's say I have this... Um, I have my own, we all have our little, little vice, right? Our vices, our pet peeves. Okay. So before you start applying a standard to someone else, <laughs> better make sure you got everything in your life right. Right? When you're, when you're going to place an, a standard in your mind to so what you think is right, and even though you, you look at the Bible and you say, I'm going to just take it to the extreme, you'd better make sure on Judgment Day that you've got everything right in your life. See, humility is what is the call of the order of the day to be like Jesus. Jesus was so humble. Jesus told us what the Father said. Right? He gave us the standard from heaven. And he says, you got to watch out because here's what's going to happen. Where, where I've got my life together over here, right? I, but I'm a mess over here. Right? And you know what we do? But when we're over here, we expect everyone else to be just like us. Right? Don't, don't talk about this one, though. Don't bring this up, see? When you go, well, wait, wait a minute. Well, brother, I, I get it. You know, but what about, and you go, no, I don't want to go there. I'm just talking about, we never want to talk about, all of us have weaknesses. Right? Everyone, and anyone that says they don't, we know your weakness already. What is it? It's lying. There you go, right? <laughs> All right. Audience participation. I love it. Uh, so uh, so we got to be really careful in trying to be like Jesus. Instead of being Jesus, it says be like Jesus, right? Let Jesus make the rules. Let Jesus be the judge. He never asked any of us to be police officers. Sorry, Scott. Not like that. <laughs> right? Like, like the preacher, my job is to preach, not the police. Preach, not police, right? Be careful that in the end, God does not say, Tony, you are such a hypocrite. Because you, you condemned these five things, but you left out the rest. What about all this stuff over here? Right? So you hypocrite, verse 5. First take the log out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to take the speck out of your brother's eye. It is so much easier to see the fault in our brethren than it is to find the good because we don't want to look for the good, right? So imagine this with me for just a moment. I'm going to be a new uh, uh, television broadcaster or tele- whatever. I'm be a, a guy on the news, um, whatever they're called. And, um, but my news channel is going to be all the good fluffy stuff. I don't talk about all the good stuff that happened today. You know, I saw a little bunny rabbit running around, pretty, you know. I don't talk about all the beautiful stuff about the lilies. I don't talk about all the beautiful stuff every day, just the beautiful stuff. How many people do you think would watch my show? <laughs> right? Versus, I don't talk about all the bad stuff, all the ugly stuff, all the negative stuff, all the, how many people would watch my show? See? So why don't we be those people that bring the beauty into the world? Right? That's what Jesus did. To be like Jesus is not to bring all the negative, but to bring 
the beauty into the world. Yes, the world is upside down, but Jesus is going to turn it right side up and give everyone a chance together equally to not only serve God, but to go to heaven. And then Jesus takes us one step further, and he says, remember Matthew 6, he says in verse 14, you, forgiveness, forgiveness, though, though, a, though a challenge, he says, if you, if you forgive men for their transgressions, your Heavenly Father will also forgive you. There's a condition, isn't it? It's a conditional phrase. If you, if you forgive men, your Heavenly Father will forgive you. Well, what if you don't? It's like saying, you know, he that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. Well, what if, what if you're not, you know, we don't have to talk about the what if not. We, what did the Bible say? So do I have to forgive my brother? What do you think? What is it saying there? I have a choice. Well, I don't like the way they said it. They didn't really come. It, it doesn't say if they come in the, it doesn't even describe, doesn't go through all that. He just says you, you have to forgive. Isn't life easier when you live in forgiveness? Just let it go. I know some things are harder to forgive, but learn how to let stuff go. Right? Free your mind. It will free our hearts. For if you forgive men for their transgressions, your heavenly Father will forgive you. But if you do not forgive men for their transgressions, your heavenly Father will not forgive you. So what God is asking us to do is, if we're going to be like Jesus, then let him be the judge. Right? Let him be the judge. And, and that means that, you know, the, the amazing treatment of each other in the body of Christ becomes so contagious and infectious that, that the world wants a part of it. They want a piece of this, right? Look, look at James uh, chapter 2. It's funny when I, sometimes I sit here and go, yeah, you know, turn the book, you know, think about what James said. Now, see, Brother James, not, not him. <laughs> I was just thinking about that. You know, James, no, wait, not James. James 2. But think about the, the infection of, of this kind of living where there's a congregation full of forgiveness and full of, look at the next one, for judgment, verse 13, will be merciless to one who has shown no mercy. Mercy triumphs over judgment. And so now comes this beauty. Oh, mercy, what a merciful congregation. That sounds like weakness, doesn't it? You, we're just a bunch of weak people. No. We're, we're folks that are saying, we're going we're going to practice giving people over to Jesus. I like doing that. It's a lot easier. Here's what I know. Here's what I know for a fact. That if I practice vengeance, I mean, I can do a pretty good job at it. But not like God. So, but this is what I know. I know that number one, God will do it effectively. He will do it correctly. And he will do it with salvation in mind. Because you want everyone to be saved, right? So isn't it better to just say, let God handle it and I'm just going to let it go. Right? I'm just going to live my life and let it go. Why is it so hard to do that? You know why? Pride. Submission is the opposite. I'm not going to submit. No, I'm not going to submit because I just want to be what? Yeah, right? Angry, mad, frustrated, the judge. Let it go. All right, so I know I'm talking about hearts, but I'm talking about being like Jesus, right? Falling in love with Jesus and then being like Jesus is, is like taking that extra step to where you say, Father, 
have me. I'm all yours, God. I'm all yours, Jesus. Have me. And then, and then Jesus says, okay, I've got you. Don't worry, i got everything covered. But we question God, don't we? Does God really have everything covered? I mean, really? Is he really going to take care of it? Really? How much faith do you have? Right? How much, where's your faith? Matthew 5, please. When he taught the Sermon on the Mount, isn't that what he was saying on the Sermon on the Mount when he was talking about, um, you know, making everything right and, and, and transforming the hearts of mankind and making us new? And he comes in there in the Sermon on the Mount and he says, happy or blessed are the what? Merciful. For what are they going to receive? Mercy. Matthew 5, verse 7. The merciful receive mercy. Now, what are you looking for from God? Are we looking for mercy? Or are we looking for justice? Uh, mercy. So God says, be merciful. And I'll be merciful to you. Be merciful. And in this life, you will find that mercy will come to you. It may not come the way that we hope it will, but it will come in God's way. And when there is a time in my life that I find that I'm being punished by God, take it. Accept the punishment of God. It's always easier to blame someone else. But Jesus wants us to accept our own blame, right? Accept our own fault. Accept our own ownership, right? Own it. If it's yours, own it. Right? That's all God wants us to do. Own it. It's yours. You did it. I did it. I thought that way. I acted that way. I, I did these things. And you know what? I need to own it. I'm, I'm wrong. I, I need to own it. That's what Jesus expected people to do. That's what Jesus did. He, he owned it. Did you, did you say this? Did you say you were the son of God? He owned it. Yeah, that's exactly what I said. And he explained to them why. So we have to uh, learn to... Be submissive, be in submission, rather, to God. Be a people who are willing to submit our lives just the way Jesus did. Let's go to 1 Peter uh, chapter 2. Following in his footsteps. So the scripture now, it, it goes a lot deeper because now we get into this idea that God says to us, I gave you um, an example and I expect you to follow it. And you're going, well, okay, yeah, Jesus did give us an example. He gave us an example of, of kindness and gentleness and all of that, right? But that's not what he mentions here. The example that he mentions is when injustice happens to you, this is how you handle it. So verse 22, he says, Who committed no sin, nor was any deceit in his mouth, and while being reviled, he did not revile in return, while suffering, he uttered noise, but kept entrusting himself to him who judges righteously. And he himself bore our sins in his body on the cross that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. For by his wounds you were healed, for you were continually straying like sheep. But now you have returned to the shepherd and guardian of your soul. So there's an overview of that. And I want to go ahead and look at this, this passage right here. So we go backwards to verse 21. Backwards to verse 21. But you have been called for this purpose since Christ also suffered for you, leaving you what? An example. Right? First Peter 2, uh, verse 21. He left you an example to follow in his steps. And then he goes, 
He didn't revile and return. <laughs> All the things he didn't do that he could have done, but he didn't do it. He could have done it, but he didn't. So I'm driving down the street, and um, and someone um, cuts me off. Now, I could tailgate them <laughs> and, and break the law and threaten them and then be in this road rage mania, or I could just forgive it and let it go. What do you think? Which one do I do? <laughs> you know. Or, or, or someone uh, says something that uh, is not very kind. Um, I could say something back. That's not very kind. So I'm going to make them understand and feel. Or I could just be like Jesus and just endure it and walk away. Right? There are a lot of things that we could do, but we don't have to act on everything we feel. So, here's what he did. He set an example for us to follow. He set up for us in an amazing amount of humility. What an example he gave to us. And so, I'm going to grab just verse 24 and verse 25, because we need to talk about the stuff in the middle. 24, and he bore our sins in his body on the cross, that we might die to sin and live to righteousness, for by his wounds you were healed. So imagine, for I mean, imagine that. Just, let's think about that for just a moment. He came and lived a perfect life. Perfect neighbor, right? Perfect friend. Did nothing wrong to anyone his entire life. And then people mistreat him. Does he, does he fight them back? He allows them to mistreat him. He comes to share this message, and it's a great message, right? The good news. And they won't listen. They just reject him. Does he reject them back? And while he's uh, performing good deeds, they call him the devil. Does he call them the devil back? Think about that. And when he healed people, like the lepers, they didn't come back and say, thank you, only one. Sometimes I wonder about that, that parable because, you know, you don't get the end of the story. <laughs> and, I, and I added my end of the story. My end of the story was the nine that didn't say thank you ran away, but then they got leprosy back because <laughs> they didn't say thank you. See, that's us, right? <laughs> that, that's not how that, that account ended, but, but if it were us, Oh, we could really show them, couldn't we? But that's not what he did. And when he was in the midst of all the religious, wicked, and evil leaders, you know what he didn't do? He didn't give up on, let's call it church. He didn't give up and say, I'm never going back there again. Did he? Always honor the Father. Always. To be like Jesus, all the stuff in between. While all this was going on, all this injustice and wickedness and evil that was going on against him, he continued to live perfectly, bearing that sin. So imagine that for a moment. It wasn't just that he bore the sins on the cross. You know, it's the idea that he was bearing the sins throughout his life as well, right? Because every sin committed against him, he knew he was taking that to the cross. When do you get, when do you get fed up? 
you know, think about the way they treated him. When do you get fed up? You, go, you know what? I'm done. No, it's not going to happen. When do you get fed up? Not Jesus. He, he just kept going. You know, at some point, at some point, Jesus, you have to get fed up, right? And just say, no, it's over. He, he didn't, he didn't do that. He left us an example of endurance. And not just endurance, but endurance in, in, if you will, while being submissive to the Father. He just kept going with kindness and gentleness. And then no doubt he preached the word and the word, the word stings, but it's not unkind to tell the truth. Right? Just tell the truth. And that's exactly what he did. So he bore our sins while alive. He was bearing each sin, knowing I'm taking that sin with me to the cross. Bad treatment, I'm taking that with me to the cross. I'm taking this. No, you don't have belief. I'm taking that with me to the cross. Wow. And then he goes on in verse 25 to say, while he was alive and watching this old wicked world, what was the world doing in front of him? Continually. Verse 25. For you were continually straying like sheep. But now you return to the shepherd and guardian of your souls. He's watching the world continually walk away from him while he continued to try to gather them back and bring them back. Come back to God. You know that when you read the New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, the examples that Jesus used for righteousness, <laughs> who did he use for righteousness over and over again? Two, two folks, the world and the Samaritans. Isn't that crazy? Think about that, the centurions. You know, never have I seen such great faith in all Israel. The Samaritan, the woman at the well, all those people, the woman at the well, good Samaritan, those are Samaritans. What was wrong with the what was wrong with the Jews? You know, the full Jews, if you will, as they call themselves. What was wrong with them? What was wrong with the Pharisees and the scribes? They lost humility and submission to God. They were playing God, and that is a problem. They, they got caught up in the world of power and, and strength and might and, uh, you know, against the, the Romans. And they were the, they were the self-righteous, and they had it all together. And, you know, just don't look over on this side, but they had it all together, right? Don't let our, don't let our hearts turn us in that way to where, where we, we don't see our own weaknesses and our own hypocrisy let's let's be honest with ourselves in christ and let's let's say you know what i don't have it all together and don't say this well you know none of us do no that's a cop-out just be honest and say you know i don't have it all together and i want to be like jesus and if i want to be like jesus i have to start somewhere we start with humility we start with submission right to God. And what a, what a great place to be, to be humble in the sight of God, showing mercy, full of forgiveness and compassion. So let's go get some of this other stuff, uh, if you will. Jesus could have walked away, couldn't he? Could have walked away whenever he wanted to, but he didn't. Could have just walked away. Said, you know what? I'm, I'm finished. I mean, he could have just Walked and kept walking, and all of a sudden, one day, like Elijah, just disappeared. You know, but that's not what he did. 
Elijah was taken up in the whirlwind. He kind of, uh, uh, could have stood next to Peter. Peter pulled off the sword and cut off Malchus' head, or ear rather, aiming for his head. He could have just grabbed the other sword. Could have fallen back. He didn't do that. He said, put your sword away. It's not how we're going to do this. That kind of just threw the apostles for a loop. Like, wait, so we're just going to give up? No, you're, you're not. That's not giving up. It's, it's allowing God to handle the world. Right? That, that's all it is. Let God deal with them. Right? Let, let God handle all the bad stuff. Um, let God fight the soldiers. Let God destroy them. We don't, we don't have to take all that on our shoulders and try to fight Rome, if you will. What about when they said to him, um, if you are the Son of God, come down from the cross and we will serve you. What a test, right? Okay, here I am, guys, now. <laughs> right? But he knew they wouldn't serve him if he came down from the cross. He lived perfectly. What else would they need from him? But instead, he stayed on the cross and he, bore, he didn't call the 12 legions of angels. He said, I could if I want to. Right? I can call 12,000 legions of angels, uh, 12 legions of angels, rather, and this world is over. <laughs> no questions asked, right? But he, he didn't do that. He set an example for us um, to, to follow. And so he said it, Matthew 26. You, you remember reading this. When, when the question, you know, the idea and looking into the heart and the eyes of the apostles and, and, and all this that happens in verse 51. The old one of those with Jesus reached and drew out his sword and struck the slave of the high priest and cut off his ear. And then Jesus said to him, put your sword back into its place for all those who take up the sword shall perish. by." You think about this verse for a moment, right? All these people came, these soldiers came with with. with with swords and spears and everything else, who is in complete control? Think about this. So they come with swords and spears, and they're given orders to bring Jesus. They find Jesus. Here he is. Peter reaches out, grabs his sword, pulls it out, cuts off Malchus' ear. Now the soldiers are supposed to attack, but who's in control? They all stand still. <laughs> You're in the presence of a mighty God. Think about that scene. That whole scene stops. It wasn't supposed to stop, church. No, these guys came armed, ready for battle. But you can't beat Jesus. (laughs) He's in complete and total control. They have a conversation. Peter, whoa, we're not. Remember where Malchus' ears is over there, you know, jumping around the ground. (laughs) He's bleeding Holding his ear, and Jesus stops to have a conversation. He says, "Look, look, look, look. but do you not think I cannot appeal to my Father, and He will at once put at my disposal more than twelve legions of angels?" And then He goes on in verse uh, twenty-five, fifty-four. I want to read this. How then shall the Scripture be fulfilled that it must happen this way? He has time to hold a conversation because He is in complete and total control. What about my life? I want to be like Jesus. Am I willing to allow him to be in complete and total control of my life? 
Turn to Mark, please, chapter uh, chapter eight. What a, what a question! Die while you live for Jesus. Interesting. What about my heart? Listen to what it, it says, verse thirty-four, Mark chapter eight, and he summoned the multitude with his disciples and said to them, If anyone wishes to come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. See that self-control and that submission? Deny what you want to do and do what you're supposed to do. Right? you got to think. We have to stop. We have to stop in our anger and gain self-control. We, we have to stop in our judgment and gain self-control. We have to stop in our injustice and gain self-control and submit to God and allow God to be God. Allow God to be in control and in charge. Right? Allow God. We, we have to stop complaining about what no, you know, no one else is doing it and go do it yourself. We have to stop complaining about what's not happening and be a part of making it happen. We have to be a part of, of instead of saying, I'm watching a dying church, help the church to live. That, that's what Jesus would do. To be like Jesus is self, living a life of self-denial. Denying what I can do and what I want to do and surrendering to doing what God would have me to do. The next verse says, For whoever wishes to save his life shall lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake and the gospel's sake shall save it. So that idea of here's what I can do, Jesus says die with it. Just die with it. Right? Don't, don't look to make, die with it. Die with Jesus while you live for Christ. Die to the world while we live to Christ. Let it all go. What is the number one most important thing for you in this world, in this life to live? Seek first. What? No, seek myself first. (laughs) Okay, sorry. Got that wrong. Seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness. That comes before self. Seek first. Am I doing that in my life? Am I really trying, making a conscious effort to be like Jesus? Or am I kind of doing this? I want to be like Jesus, but I also want to be like the world. Remember what happened to Israel? First uh, Samuel uh, chapter 8, they began to argue and, and, and complain about, um, we want a king to judge us like all of the other nations. As if they didn't have a king already. Who was their king? God, right? But they didn't like God being their king. You know, I mean, they said, we want, no, 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 we want a king to go out before us in all our battles because we don't want to go first. <laughs> and God says, you're not going first. I've always been first. But no, no, no. We want a king like all the other nations. We want someone that wears a crown and, you know, we can look up to him and go, wow, that's our king. We want, we don't want you to be our king, God. And, and this, this request 
the Bible says, greatly displeased Samuel. Right? It really displeased him. And God said, Samuel, go and tell the people the order of the king. So Samuel does as God says. And Samuel says, well, you know, basically, in essence, he's going to take everything that you desire, that you like the most, that is the best, he's going to take everything that's the best, and he's going to keep it for himself. And there's nothing you can do about it. (laughs) You go, everything? Yeah, he's going to take everything that's whatever's good, and all he wants is part of, he wants some of your money, and you go out there and you work in the field, he's taking some of your fields, he's taking your best grain, he's taking your best women, he's taking everything. And then, when it was all said and done, in the next 15 verses, they said, yeah, but we, we still want a king to judge us like all the other nations. It's just kind of how it is with, with, with our mind, our thinking, in service to Christ, is that God says, you know, okay, 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 there's Satan and there's God. There's only two ways. What do we make up? Well, there's always a gray area, preacher. Well, wait a minute. <laughs> right? Why do we always seek out the gray area? You ever thought about that? You know, we always look for that one. Well, there's always a gray area in it. Right, well, okay. But in reality, we kind of know it's, it's either God or Satan. What do we choose most often in difficult times? I don't mean struggle. Like when I'm, I don't mean that. I mean like when someone runs me over, when, when someone does something wrong to me. Which side do we often choose? Not the right one, right? It's the easy route. But that's not the side Jesus ever chose. Think about that. He never chose the easy route. He always took the straight and narrow road. So to be like Jesus, let's get into the habit of always taking the straight and narrow road, knowing that, yes, we're going to be going against the grain, against the world, But that's where God is. Let's go with him. And there's this amazing sense of accomplishment when you surrender your life to God. And Paul is one of the greatest teachers of that because he had the power, he had the authority, and he had the right in his own mind to go persecute those Christians. But when he met Jesus, he realized Actually, it's not about power, authority, and right. It's about weakness. For where I'm weak, then I'm what? Then I'm strong. So, I got it all together over here, and God says, okay, (laughs) but I need you working over here. I, I need you to identify with your own weaknesses. It makes life so much easier when you see your own faults, and your own weaknesses, not to be depressed, but you just look at yourself and you go, okay, I I really need what? I really need the help of God. So then when I'm around my brethren who are not acting like they ought to act, I I think about my own weakness and go, you know what? They, They have weaknesses too. And then I can give it to God and let it go. So much easier to live life that way. But it is a challenge. So let's leave you with that, and we'll come back, Lord willing, next week and continue with this idea. We're going to look at the devotion of Jesus after we finish this section here in First Peter. God's devotion, the devotion that Jesus had to us and, and to uh, the Father.
And if tonight you have a special request on your heart, on your mind, and you would like uh, made known, elders can pray with you, pray for you. If you are um, online, contact us, communicate with us. Uh, We will help in, in whatever way God gives us the blessing to be able to help. If you are here tonight and you have not surrendered to Christ in the waters of baptism, here's your moment, right? Another day God's given to us where you can surrender to Christ in the waters of baptism. We'll have a devo in a moment. The lesson is yours. Thank you very much for your time. Appreciate it.